Welcome to DanceCast, the podcast in which I interview people who create inclusive dance all around the world. My name is Silva Laukkanen and I am your host. Welcome to DanceCast to episode 60. In September 2021, I looked at my email inbox and saw this email titled Teachers with Disabilities. It had came to me through the NDO Disabilities Forum that National Dance Education Organization hosts for their members. And in that email, Daniel Levy-Sanchez was talking about where are the dance teachers with disabilities and why aren't we not talking about it? So of course, I wanted to talk to Daniel about this and ask him more what he meant and what his thinking was. Daniel Levy-Sanchez from Patterson, New Jersey, received his formal dance training from the Inner City Ensemble Theatre and Dance Company and the Juilliard School of Dance. He performed with Twyla Tharp Dance, American Ballet Theatre and ODC San Francisco and is a dance educator with a master's degree in education from Rutgers University. Daniel has taught ballet and modern dance at Rutgers University, Raritan Valley Community College, and for three years at PS191, the Paul Robinson School in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. In 2019, Daniel was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, a neuromuscular disorder brought on by an autoimmune response resulting in permanent disability. Today, Daniel is focusing on his health first, as well as finding ways of remaining involved in the dance community through advocacy for teachers with disabilities, advice for dancers and teachers, writing and testing the limits of what he can and cannot do in the hope of someday being able to teach again. He currently resides in Kingston, Rhode Island. And with Daniel resides also his dog, who was a special guest in this episode as well. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Daniel, thanks so much uh, for mm-hmm. meeting with me, actually. So cool. I've been reading about you and your extensive dance <laughs> teaching career. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot of dance. In my, you know, started out young and then just, just went from there. It's one thing after another. Yeah, tell me a little bit. How did how did you actually end up into the dance world? Like, what is your path? Let me see. Um, you know, being raised by, um, I was born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey. You know, back at a time where you know it, it wasn't a very like affluent place. I mean, even now, there's still you know it's it's fairly poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents came from Puerto Rico, and you know, I was I was the last uh, older brother and sister, and you know, throughout my life as a child growing up, my mother listened to music all the time. We were always there was always a house party on a weekend at 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 a, at a um at one of my relatives' house, either my uncle or my grandmother. And it was always music and dance, music and dance. And I always felt like as a child that music and dance, I mean, it, it, 
you know, as a child, you learn, you learn how to speak through listening to others. And I feel like it, because language is a form of communication, I, I also uh, learned that music and dance as well are forms of communication. Um, watching them dance and how they communicated with each other through music and through movement. And my, my father was also a guitarist. I think I took that with me you know, for the rest of my life because as, a, uh, as I grew older, I started to develop my own movement language, mm. you know, through watching people like Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson and, and you know, and also all, all these other people you know, in my family and dancing the different styles, salsa, merengue, borero, and all these, you know, all these different things. Some point in my life, um, I, I guess it was a teen, when I was a teenager, I mean, I just kept dancing all the way through, learning a lot of different styles uh, just from the street. And then I saw this theater and dance company perform um, uh, when I was a teenager and they were doing jazz. They were doing the, the forms. And I saw that and said, wow, you know, that's a whole other form of dance that I don't even know. So um, I auditioned there, I think when I was 12, I didn't get in then, I mean, I was too young. But um, when I was 14, I auditioned and they performed everywhere, you know, yeah, and they're from our, our hometown uh, called the Inner City Ensemble. And they would perform community performances, but also, uh, they performed in colleges and in New York City. Uh, we, we did uh, uh, performances there as well, like a Lincoln Center out of doors. This is way back. I don't even know if they still do that. But um, I got a lot of my training from there, like Lamoon, Graham, ballet. And, and you know, the great thing about this program is that it was all free. <laughs> It was, I know. Wow. It was back in, well, I mean, it was it was back in the day when when we had a government that supported the arts really well, and we, you know, I was really lucky. I mean, everybody that was involved at the time was lucky, um, and we got really great training in in uh, uh, not only dance but in theater as well. Um, people like Olympia Dukakis came by and taught us about like. Uh, scene study. She's like this uh, really great actress. Um, many of our teachers there were from Juilliard. Um, you know, they studied there. Um, so I was really fortunate. And then luckily from there, then I, uh, you know, I was old enough to I graduated from high school. <clears throat> and I uh, uh, auditioned for Juilliard and, and um, New York University as well. And Juilliard accepted me. And, you know, for me at, at that time, I still, I still didn't think about uh, performing with a prof uh, professional dance company was just not in the cards. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know you can have a career in dance at that. <laughs> even, even when I auditioned for Juilliard, all I kept thinking in my mind is I just want to keep dancing. I don't <sighs> care if I'm dancing in the street. I don't care if I'm dancing in my house. I mean, and, and at that time, too, I had already amassed all these different forms. I was also a break dancer, uh, dancing in the streets. I was in, a, uh, I was in a crew where we would go to clubs and we would compete against other break dancers and everything. So um, got in, I was accepted to Juilliard. 
Um, I was there for like about two years. I, I you know, Julia was, wasn't the best for me. And, and I think it's because uh, there were several reasons. One of them was um, I was not, my academics were not great, you know, because uh, I guess from where I came from, I was not studious in that way. You know, but I was in terms of dance, I soared. I mean, I was I was in their little touring company and things like that. Um, but after two years, uh, we just decided it wasn't for me. So then I went and found other places to dance. I, I was a scholarship student at Alvin Ailey Dance Center, and I was there for several months. Um, at that time, too, I had an opportunity to teach at a, a college in New Jersey. Um, I uh, teach dance there. Uh, for about a year, I did that and also danced with a small modern company from New Jersey at that time. And then um, I had this big audition with Twyla Tharp. And um, uh, she had a big, uh, I guess we call it a cattle call where lots of guys came and performed. And it, it was very bizarre uh, for me. <laughs> I remember going and you know, at that time, I've never seen her perform. I heard her name, but you know, but like I said, I wasn't, um, I, I think ignorance, if anything, is what got me to, to, to move as high as I did. <laughs> and also <laughs> not the need to be a star performer. I didn't care about that. All I wanted to do was dance. So I had this big audition. I went there wearing a, uh, so I, I wore a mechanics uniform, you know, like at those old like mechanics, it's like blue, it's like a jumper suit. You got like the a name, one like piece. Pete. Yeah, a one piece. Is it Pete over here or whatever? <laughs> uh, wasn't even my name. I don't even know what the, I don't even know the back said something as well. And I wore some tattered old sneakers. I don't know what, what came of me to, to wear that. Uh, I look back at it, but I did. I wore it. I went into this audition, only one looking like some weird guy off the street. Uh, two weeks later, she called and said uh, uh, she wanted to work with me. And uh, at that time, their company was in um, South America. And um, she worked with me for about three months. It was just her and I, and she was just basically coaching me on her, uh, on her style and her way of movement. And we'd go into the room and she would uh, yeah, meet her in the studio and we start, either doing a warm-up of some sort. Um, sometimes we'd have people come in and we are doing aerobics at the time. <laughs> then she would start off with, so she puts on a piece of music and she would um, improvise. And my, mm. my goal as a dancer was to assimilate her movement, to, to not copy it, but I had to assimilate it. I had to assimilate her, her weight shifts, her, if her finger is doing something, I, I needed to see every and absorb every ounce of, uh, of that so that I wasn't copying movement, but I was basically being Twilight um, and learned uh, her weight shift, how she uses her feet, how she transitions from one movement to the other and how she uses movement. Uh, it was just fascinating. And- um, That sounds uh, a really interesting approach to movement and the technique, you know, like, to assimilate, to really feel it right. in your own body. Right, right. Because it, it doesn't work any other way. I mean, with 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 her work. It, and, you know, the, we would improvise for the longest time. And what happens from that is I always kind of like describe it as 
like a, a block of stone. So she's mm. whittling. We whittle it and whittle it until it becomes like a shape. So what happens is we have this big improvisation and eventually it gets whittled down to like an eight count phrase or it could be a 16 count phrase. And that becomes the base, um, could be the base of a larger work, uh, the foundation of a larger work or different sections of like, cause we, we did that a lot and, and filmed it quite a bit. That sounds um, really cool. I would love to, you know, that I would love to work like that. Yeah, yeah. It, and you know, it's, it, it's so different than the traditional way uh, and, and still today, we still do this with the choreographers in the front and they'll be like, okay, do this, you know, and, you know, they already have the, the, the phrase already. All you're doing is just copying. Whereas with Tharp's way, you weren't copying, you were assimilating. Um, <laughs> so can I can I ask something because I found one of your resumes online and mm. I love the language that you use in it and one of the things that you talked about your teaching of modern dance you say and this is a quote use an authentic slash constructivist approach to presenting modern dance as a means of merging both the human and the dancer yeah you know that's um and and that is something that came out mostly came out when i was a uh, when i was studying getting a master's in dance education this is way oh. later on in, in the my the later end of my life um go but talk uh, uh when i was going to, when i was getting my master's um to become a dance educator i um I got to a point where, um, I don't know, maybe it was a revelation where I, I started to look at how I was taught as a dancer. And, and it's always been, you have the teacher and you have mm. the dancer and the two never really come together. And with, with dance education, um, one of the mandates is that that all dancers should have access to dance and so that and also they should um um let me see have access to dance and 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 is allowed to dance basically to to that degree all students or all children should be allowed to dance and in me thinking if i were to teach children ballet or to teach children jazz, I'm already eliminating several students, in, especially in the public school education. I may get one or two that understands or is excited about what I'm doing. Everyone else I've already lost. It also merges with the way children should be taught in schools in general, is that children, you should teach to the whole child, that a, a teacher should have the, the knowledge to look at each child and understand what their learning styles are. Um, and in that way, you can reach the child and teach them that the thing is what happens in, in the schools as well, is teachers will just teach um, to the class mm -hmm. and lose a lot of the students. So 
as an educator in dance, I wondered, is there a way to do that as well in dance in, or facilitate, facilitate dance in the public school? And I mean, I, I taught at one for three years is to uh, give them a chance to have ownership of the class. And the only way to do that is to look at what they bring to the table. Oh, everybody can dance, right? You know, but I think what happens is that a lot of people think dance is like, oh, ballet or jazz, I can't do that. You know, we were born, and I go back to when I was a child, we all can express ourselves through me. I mean, do this whole thing. I'm doing this with my hands, right? Do this whole interview. This can be a, a piece in and of itself. A person standing on stage with a spotlight on them and just doing this. this I mean, it could be the beginning of something and then somebody else comes in. And uh, I mean, move every Yeah, movement. we can add my solo, my head movements where I communicate yes. to you. Like I'm like <laughs> nodding my head and my right. eyes and like, you know, like I'm constantly communicating <laughs> with you. You're right. You're right. It is. This is like a duet right here. So then it became a re revelation for me going, if, if I can somehow bring what they bring to the class, I bring what I bring to the class and somehow create I wouldn't even say a tech business is when you say a technique. It's like a, not even a style. It's a, just another way of. I don't even. I can't even come up with a title for it. But yeah. I mean that feels good to me. That mm -hmm. feels because and in that way I was thinking that um, what, thinking about the dance uh, the public school uh, arena. I began to teach this way when I was a master's student as well because I was um, teaching um, my last year I taught BA students they were not dance students they were like students like scientists and math students ah. and so when they came because they do it just for credit so my goal in that class was you know if we were working on a movement um, problem I always kind of try to use a scientific method you know, where you have a problem, you try to solve the problem through movement. I would ask if this person's major was math. Let's just put dance aside. Don't, I don't want you to think like you have to do rolls or jump or anything like that. <laughs> How would you do it as a math student? How would you translate that physically in your body to, to try to solve this problem? And, and in that way, if there's a way you can tie the two together, you can get these people that that are able to use what they already have to solve problems move in, in a movement sense. Maybe they can take this beyond college and bring it into their life in the professional realm and use that to solve problems when they're at work. So I'm thinking of a way that how can we take dance and give it a life beyond college, beyond the studios. You know, a lot of times after kids take their classes in the studio, they graduate from high school and they're done. Dance is done then. Yeah. But how do we take it and, and go beyond that? It doesn't have to be dance per se, but if they can see dance as a tool um, rather yeah. than a extracurricular activity, then they, they can bring it with them to solve problems somewhere down the road. I mean, there's so much in dance that that can lend to that so that's where that phrase was how can we take dance and take it outside of this realm where it kind of stays there and how do we bridge it 
I think the same same way with uh, in the public schools. If we can give them equity, give them uh, where they have um, ownership of the classroom, they're going to want to stay there if they know they they what they have they can bring to the table. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I always wonder this too, like, why do people drop it completely? They don't become any kind of consumers of the art firm dance. They don't come and go and watch dance. They don't right. come and, you know, like, what is it? What is it that we make it so elitist and un, unaccessible in a way mm. that people want to just drop it completely? Right, right. And I, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is, is our fault you know, because we, that's how we present ourselves to be. We're like, mm -hmm, this is us, you know, we do this, this is the, we're, we're like superhuman, we're dancers, and you guys are not, or something. Yeah. That, it has and that it's really place. hard to reach this place, like, you need to work really hard, and this, you know, only, I right, mean, and right. this is another quote from your, um, from your resume that I really loved, it's, um, Introduce ballet as a function of movement, as a means of challenging the assumption that ballet is only for, for a selected few. I loved yeah. it too. Like I was yeah. really excited about your way of thinking, <laughs> uh, dance education. Yeah, well, I mean, I um, I had the opportunity to teach ballet in, um, when I was a master's student, but also when I graduated, I was an adjunct at, um, at a school in New Jersey, as a uh, at a college in New Jersey as well. You were at Rutgers, Where, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. I graduated from from there. In my uh, that's after Julie. This is many years. We're talking like in my forties. I, I, I went see. to Rutgers. <laughs> so in between there was a whole other life that I don't know if we'll have time to talk about. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was because there was the Twyla Tharp, and I'm sure there was a lot there between. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, there there was also just uh, of my family life. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go back to that for oh, yeah. a second, but like in terms of ballet, um, when a person comes in and learns ballet, I feel like they should give be given the opportunity to express the movement the way they interpret it that to be. So if they're doing an arabesque, does the arm have to be at a certain level? Does the head have to be a certain place? So everybody's arabesque is gonna look different and that's fine because that is how they express it to be. Now, if, if I were teaching at ABT or New York City Ballet, that's I can't do that there. I mean, there is, there's something, there's a strict regiment in where all the dancers have to be taught the same technique and look the same way. And I totally understand that. But when you're teaching dancers, I mean, um, that they're not aspiring to be that. They just want somewhere where they can, they like ballet, but they want to feel like they're good at it you know, or they want to feel like happy about doing it. And the only way to do that is to allow them to, to express it the way they feel like it can be expressed. And then they're like, they, they become more like happy about themselves and they want to, they want to do it more. Um, the, the teacher has to have a mindset and a belief that mm -hmm. all dancers can express all movement and, and the way, and, and you know, I get that from Twyla because in Twyla's movement, 
I mean, if you ever, you'll, you'll probably never see our, her company doing it. You'll see ballet companies doing it. She was very like insular when it comes to her showing her work with our company, with, with the Tharp company doing it. If you ever see the Tharp company doing in the upper room, you'd see a completely different looking oh. company. You'd see dancers dancing to doing the same movement, but expressing it in a different way. Mm. Um, yeah. That's really fascinating. <laughs> so, but in 2019, your, your career changed drastically. Uh, and this is yeah. actually how, how I got to know about your work because you're raising really, really good questions. And this is, you raise these questions at the NDO online forum and around the NDO practices, who feels welcomed as a dance educator to their, mm. their um, organization. Do you wanna uh, talk about that a little bit yourself? Yeah, well, in, in well, 2019, I was, um, I was diagnosed with myasthenia graft. What myasthenia graft is, is it's a, um, it's a neuromuscular disorder brought on by an immune, autoimmune response. What ended up happening was I was coming off the train here. I'm, I'm in Rhode Island and there's a train station nearby. My wife came to pick me up. So I see her there and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna run up the stairs. So I, there's like three flights of stairs. After the first flight, all of a sudden it felt like, um, it kind of felt like, you know, you have a balloon and all the air of the balloon just went in my legs. So as I was going up, up, I was going down, down, and I ended up like landing on the stairs. You know, it was like a gradual, like loss of muscle strength. And um, I, I was like, wow, what, what just happened? I was completely befuddled. And I, I forced myself back up and I worked my way across the, the way and I got to my wife and she was like, what happened? Are you, I said, I, I don't know, I must, at first I said, I must be out of shape, you know, and running up the stairs and now I'm like, I, it's weird. I, I don't know what happened, but um, from that day on, I never walked fine. Coordination wasn't there. I was constantly wobbling, I call it. Uh, so my strength never came back in my legs and basically just dropped out of dance altogether. There was, I'm a lot better now. And I'm trying to get myself at a place where I'm a little bit more consistent um, because of the fluctuating nature of this disease. At that time, I just thought, well, that's it. I'm not, dance is over. I'm not gonna, there's no way I can do it again. A really good friend of mine did this dance challenge. Um, I got back on the Facebook. I hadn't, I hadn't done Facebook in a long time. Uh, Kevin, who danced with ODC San Francisco with me like for five years when I was there. And he did this dance challenge where he did, I think about like 32 counts of a dance phrase from a piece that was done in the past. And he did it in his kitchen. And he said, okay, all you ODC dancers, I want to see you do this. See if you can remember this. So, you know, I saw it and said, huh, well, let me try it. So I at that time, I could barely move. Like I can't, I can't move fast. Every movement I make has to be very deliberate, and I no balance. So I did the phrase in, in a small part of my kitchen where it's very tight. I had a stove on my left, and I had a counter on my right. 
So I did the phrase in the way I could do it, but I used that to keep myself from falling. It was very, it was interesting. So the, after that, I said, oh, geez, if I can do that, if I can still move slightly, even, even in that way, there may come a time where I, I may be able to do something like uh, possibly teach people that have uh, muscular uh, disorders such as myself, like someone with muscular dystrophy, or thinking maybe there's a way I can bridge this idea of teaching <laughs> and take it to people that have movement disorders and, and try to, first of all, you have to dispel their assumptions that, oh, I can't dance. And you have to go, like, yes, if you can move, you can dance. So to get them into a place where they can use their movement to create, you know, and in that sense, they're not only having the opportunity to move, but they're also creating dance. And maybe they can create dance with each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe create a little something, you know, just, you know, and these things just started coming you know, into my mind. Um, so, uh, yeah, oh, so, but, okay, back, back to the NDEO thing. Um, I, 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 at that point, I wasn't thinking too much about being an advocate. Um, but at that point as well, I said, well, let me, let me, because I was a member of NDEO, NDEO in a while and I lost my membership after time. So I went to renew my membership and I noticed that there wasn't a criteria for me. You know, there was a criteria for professionals, for people that are retired, for students and things like that. And I, I tried to look at the fine print and there was nothing there for past dance educators that are, on, uh, that are disabled. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't teach or that we can't dance. And I, I, I was looking through that going, oh, well, I mean, I don't want to put retired because I'm not retired. I feel like I can still do this. I just have to wait, you know, give myself some time so that I can, um, you know, and I can also write. So, I mean, I can write things as well. That's also a way of being involved in dance. So I, I, I sent an email to their, to their membership and then also to, to, to Susan McGreevy. As I look, um, I know I want to renew my membership, but I don't, I'm not, I don't, not going to accept any of these other criteria. I'm not retired. I, I'm, I'm disabled, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm broken, that I'm, I, I can't be used. So, I mean, I have a wealth of knowledge and I, I feel like, feel like there's things that I can still contribute. So I got an email back saying, okay, they, they totally saw they they missed that sort of like uh, sort of a blind spot. They're working on it, and they they did give me a mem allow me to become a member, um, but not under any like any label. So I'm still waiting for them. But but that kind of like dawned on me and started to have me thinking. There is a part of dance that have accepted people with disabilities, and I love that. Um, sometimes I question the intentions behind it, um, but I, I try not to go there, but sometimes I do. I mean, if it's authentic, if people really do believe that 
people with disabilities have something to bring to the table and they do and that's great but if it's just to kind of like appease you know like a token you know i i think that's i i don't agree with that at all um, i think it's good to question that i think it's very good i i think uh, yeah i i think so too um but i started to wonder uh, about things like that and then also uh there is nothing that says anything about bringing in dance teachers that are disabled. I, I just would like to see a place for teachers or educators with disabilities. I, and, and that, I mean, if anything, that's kind of what, what brought in that question when I put that post. Those are really good questions. I think you raised a really good point. I think I've, you know, you start your, um, letter email at, for the NDEO online forum like when we think of disability and dance we tend to think about students with disabilities and neglect to think yeah. of the possibility of a dance teacher with a disability and I think yeah. a lot of like those questions also are like societal in a way that we are a product oriented society yes oh we have God. a TikTok time hmm. you know it's um, hmm. capitalistic Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with that. So I have a one last question, uh, Daniel. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your dream? What is what, what do you want to see in the next five years, 10 years? What are you dreaming about? Well, I mean, I'm right now, I'm still kind of um, distracted by this disease. But let's just say I'm at a place where I can function a good maybe two hours or so. Um, I, I'd like to teach again. Um, I love teaching. Uh, my wife and I, we purchased this stagecoach barn. And upstairs from here is a huge space that we've, we've converted. We have really nice cherry wood floors would be my dream is to use the upstairs space to teach classes. Um, I, I would probably start with adults before I start with children. You be teaching adult class, um, very simple, like a sunrise ballet class in the morning. You know, just come in, we'll teach, we'll teach a nice ballet bar. We'll start with the floor, do some stretching. And I think I would very simply just start from there nothing big because i i feel like maybe from there other things can can happen and um and also the other thing is writing i i'd love to continue and that that i'll just always continue to do i get so i get chills and excited about thinking about it so i i, I would say like five years down the road that would that would be my my first step of, of dream everything else before that would just be me just trying to feel my way through uh, with this disease and this new life.